0: It's funny, this, uh, in our in our league, our fantasy football league, to the listeners, I, I just spent 61 of my 100 um, fab dollars on oh. Ty Johnson, um, so he got a staggering four points this week and led me to my seventh loss of the season, um, so so yeah, Lev Bell going to the Lions would have at least given me um, the juice I needed to drop my $61 pickup, but for the time being, it looks like I'm going to have to hang on to him and hope for the best.
1: That's always brutal. That's always brutal. And kind of, you know, because I'm in your league, I know how things are going. It's been a rough season for you fantasy-wise, Alex. It has. It's uh, since draft
0: day, since hard knocks, um, and the whole Antonio Brown saga, it's just been a spiral of misery um, for my fantasy season. So first, let's talk about your season first, Steph. Tell me how your season's going. Tell me some of your sleeper picks. Tell me some guys that haven't panned out. Um, just so the listeners can know kind of what's going on in our world
1: yeah so I'm in two key leagues the first one is called Sunday's Finest that's the one I'm in with Alex and then I'm in another one called Harambe's Homeboys Uh, that's a league that I started with some of my buddies from college Uh, in both leagues I'm about middle of the road I'm three and five uh, in one of the leagues and four and four in the other Uh, and you know really this year has been summed up for me by you know my stars getting hurt and this is something that happens in fantasy and it's You know, I've seen people win championships. I've won fantasy championships without that first round pick. You know, the year, uh, one of the years I won was when David Johnson was on IR, like the first game of the season was end up to get a win and I I don't want people to get discouraged. So in my situation that I'm in now is also the David Johnson situation. It's been an absolutely wild ride. I uh, traded Philip Lindsay for Golden Tate pretty early on in the season, Uh, like right when he came back, something like week five. And then uh, immediately flipped Golden Tate for Chase Edmonds, uh, who now looks like he's going to be visiting IR soon. And we're going to talk about some uh, uh, Arizona Cardinals backfield and some of the other backfields across the league. But uh, yeah, that didn't feel good. And now I'm playing neither of the guys, and Kenyon Drake is the one that's getting the start. So it's been rough in, in that league from the David Johnson experience. And then uh, in the other league, with uh, that one has keepers. Uh, and I had Devontae Adams there. So, you know, I'm I'm glad that I'm 4-4 four and four and I'm getting Devontae Adams back. Certainly that should help. You know, but it's been one of those years where I'm fighting through some big injuries to my stars. And that's that's just part of the game, unfortunately, when it comes to fantasy. You know, the, the role for us is let's try to figure out a way to get around it and not let, you know, an injury say, hey, I'm just going to give up on the season, you know.
0: Yeah, that's a tough thing in fantasy. It's, you know, everyone seems to get hit by the injury bug. One year or another, or one week or another, I should say. Um, and then you got guys like Antonio Brown who just pitch fits. You got guys who get suspended out of nowhere, hold out out of nowhere. Um, so, so the big thing with fantasy football is we can't see the future. Um, but we, what we can do is pivot when we need to and figure out how can we make the best of our situation. And sometimes situations such as mine, which I'll get into here in a second, are unsalvageable. But... Um at the end of the day it's fantasy and you gotta keep fighting because you never know what's gonna turn around. And just just as you might have had bad luck for the first half of the season, things could swing your way. So um I'm only in one fantasy football league, and it's the one uh with Steph as he alluded to earlier, and it has been a train wreck starting with Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown was my keeper. We have one keeper in that league. Um and he obviously has played one game this season, so that was absolutely brutal. Um, being a 14-team league that you don't have a stud like that. Like another guy in our league came in with Christian McCaffrey, where I came in with nothing. Um, So when you think about it that way, it's kind of disheartening. But early on, I made a trade for another keeper. I went out and got Alvin Kamara. Um, He then got hurt and he hasn't played for a few weeks. So Um, I I spent all my fab on Ty Johnson. Um, He looks like a bust. I picked up uh, Will Fuller in a trade with Steph, actually, and he looked like he was going to be something to promise, and then he decided to get hurt. Um,
1: I gave you a 50-point uh,
0: rental for one week. He did give me a 50-point rental, and that is my one win of the season. I am sorry to admit, but uh, you know Will Fuller's gone down. I had D.D. Westbrook just get me zero points because he went down with an injury early in that game. I have Chase Edmonds in this league, and he left early with an injury this week. Evan Ingram has been banged up. Stefan Diggs got off to a slow start. So it's been tough sledding, um, but I'm still making moves. I'm still being active and I'm trying to turn it around, even though I might be mathematically eliminated from the playoffs or close. You know, it's not over till it's over.
1: Absolutely. And that's why, you know, we're going to keep bringing this content, try to help people win their leagues and don't get discouraged if, you know, you're not doing that well or sitting at a great record. Uh, For those that are sitting at records, Alex, what's kind of the mindset that you take, you know, if you already are in the playoffs, maybe if you have zero losses, one loss, maybe two losses, what changes in terms of the fantasy strategy with your approach to waivers, trades? Give us some insight on that.
0: Yeah, this is actually a really good question because a lot of people who haven't played fantasy for a very long time don't really know some of the strategies that you can take um, when you are on top of the leaderboard. And kind of like in poker, they say it's a big chip bully. When you have one loss, two loss teams at this point in the season, those teams can take advantage of things that teams that need wins now can't. Um, so one thing that you can do is start looking at playoff schedules. Um, in fantasy football, the playoffs are weeks 14 to 16. So I like looking at those, those schedules and say, who has a good matchup in weeks 14, 15, and 16? And, and what's Uh, what's a favorable guy that I can plug into my lineup that's that's going to go off in those weeks. If I've got guys playing, you know, New England um, or or the Saints defense or some of these top defenses that have really been holding teams um, under wraps, I might want to trade those guys for for similar tier guys that might have the Cardinals in those weeks um, or the Dolphins in those weeks. So that's something you can look at to say, hey, how can I have an advantage come playoff time? Because you know whether you go ten and three in the regular season or you go thirteen and zero, those wins don't carry with you to the playoffs. So if you can do something to get a leg up, um, that's huge. Another thing I would say is to pick up handcuffs. Once you get into the playoffs, you're not really needing a a guy on your bench that you can plug in and get ten points during a bye week or eight points during a bye week. You might have a guy like a Nahim Hines who, yeah, he's a PPR guy and he might be able to get you seven to ten points if you're in a pinch. But come playoff time, that's not going to do you any good. What you want is to handcuff your star running backs just to make sure if something does happen, you have a guy that's going to be an impact player when they go down. So um, those are just two of my two of my quick tips and tricks that I like to do. And I'm in a a place um, of advantage heading into the playoffs to to kind of solidify my team and solidify my bench to be very crisis avert.
1: Exactly. It's like that that the big chip bully mindset is a perfect way to do it. You know, even when you talk about, um, you're going to tr- tr- trade talks, you know, knowing that, Hey, I, I have a better record right now. I'm just des- not desperate to make any moves. Can give you actually a huge leg up in those negotiations. Um, and something else I would look for is, you know, what are the teams that have bad records? What holes can they fill, and can you make those moves? Whether it is for an easier schedule uh, or to maybe move two lower end tier guys for one higher tier guy uh, that also has a good schedule, man, that that's the perfect move. And you know, like Alex said, those aren't going to carry with you into the playoffs. You know, fantasy is all about just getting hot once you get into the playoffs. And one more quick thing about trading. Uh, I know
0: you referenced looking at those teams that are struggling and look at what they may need. A big piece of trading in fantasy football isn't looking at what your team needs. It's going through other people's rosters and saying, where are they tilting? Where do they need help that they're going to give me more value than they should for this player? So, for example, if I need a receiver, I'm not going to go through and start offering for top receivers when... You know, I might offer a running back to a team that already has running backs, or I might offer a tight end to a team that already has George Kittle um, for one of their star receivers. That's not going to get a trade done. What you have to do is look at other teams' holes, look at their weaknesses, and say, hey, this team has a guy on bye, and he's starting Jalen Rashard at running back. Let me give him a mid-tier receiver and a plug-and-play running back like a, um, like a Carlos Hyde and try to pick up a better receiver. So you kind of have to know the guys in your league and know what the other team's holes are to find their need and then find a team that um, has a need that kind of meshes with what you're looking for.
1: I love it. Now, on the flip side of that, you know, what if you do if it looks like you have a very, very slim shot in the playoffs? I think both of us can kind of speak to that right now. I'm kind of middle of the pack. Uh, You're more fighting your way out uh towards the bottom tier there but in in both cases you know there's a different mindset than if you are standing pretty with a nice record i'd say the the biggest difference uh, when you have you know very little shot of making the playoffs or no shot at all obviously first thing to look at is keeper considerations you know no it's not fire sailing your team it's not dropping any guys and ruining the integrity of your league But, you know, there are keeper considerations to make, you know, so maybe if you don't have uh, anybody on your roster right now, go grab AJ Green, if you believe he can pan out, go see if you can grab Melvin Gordon now thinking, you know, maybe he has higher upside next year. I don't know, there's guys that you can always go grab thinking long term, if you are in a keeper league. But if you're not, you know, now you're in a win now mode, you know, so to me, the first thing I'll, I'll typically do is be a little bit more aggressive on the waivers. Because when you are in, in win now mode, you don't have that time to save up those fab dollars or save that priority for the next week. You got to win right now because the window to make the playoffs gets slim. Uh, so that, that's kind of the biggest thing is my approach to waivers is a little bit more aggressive. You might bet, uh, let's say if you're putting down 10% typically on a defense that you might stream, you know, why don't you go 20%. You're just in a position where you don't have a ton of leverage and you really got to be aggressive on the waivers. Alex, anything to add?
0: Yeah, I think that's a great take on the keepers. That was the first thing on my list. If you're in a keeper league, it might be smart to package two strong starters together for a better keeper that you might not do otherwise. Um, That's if you're mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. Um, I think if you're not mathematically eliminated and there is still a chance you can make it, like you said, you got to go into win now mode. And I think one way to kind of get yourself a win or buy a win this week. And then even looking to the next two or three weeks is being aggressive around buy weeks. If you've got guys that have a buy coming up next week or in two weeks, and you have a chance to trade out that guy for someone who's already had their buy, you're picking up a week. And another little trick I like to do sometimes, and sometimes it's hard to work out depending on your league. But if I have a guy coming up on buy, say I have um, Stefan Diggs with a buy coming up here shortly um, in week 12 I'm going to look at who I'm playing in week 12 and try to trade them Stephon Diggs because not only am I picking up a week where I'm not on buy, but I'm giving them the bye week. So if you can pull off little tricks like that to maybe buy a week down the road, if you can get a similar to your player, to a guy like Stephon Diggs, um, that's something that might help you squeak out a win here and there and just really be scrappy trying to make your way towards the playoffs.
1: See, you know, you can tell, you know, in every fantasy league, there's always the trade guy. The guy who's always sending out offers, always trying to negotiate deals. In our league, that's Alex. And you can tell. You can tell when he gives you these takes. You know, those little mind games. I'm, I'm learning a little bit into the insights of some of these trades.
0: you gotta, you got to be really sneaky out there. But um, there's little tips and tricks that can definitely give you an advantage like that.
1: So let's switch gears a little bit here and talk about some of the messy backfields in the NFL right now both fantasy wise and for you know football wise in general and and the first one I want to talk about because they play tomorrow night on on Halloween is the Cardinals backfield they play the 49ers uh, on Thursday night football and let me give you some background here so David Johnson, you know, he's one of the the top fantasy running backs and one of my personal favorite players in the NFL. uh, He's been kind of dealing with some injuries over the last few weeks here. And his backup, Chase Edmonds, has absolutely blown up. He's taken his his place and pretty much ran with it. He had 34 fantasy points. uh, You know, the second week that he was named the starter after David Johnson went down, the man's been going bananas. But recently he was injured in the game as well uh, on this most recent Sunday. So the Cardinals make a move pretty close to the trade deadline or our pseudo trade deadline is they went out and got Kenyon Drake from the Miami Dolphins for, I believe it was a fourth round pick, you know? So, I mean, let's talk about this first outside of fantasy context. I think it means one of three things. One, either chase Edmonds or David Johnson is more injured than we think. Two, that Kenyon Drake may just be a guy that uh, they cut or release uh, after they get a few weeks out of him or maybe even, uh, uh, you know, hold him until the offseason and try to trade him then. Or he's going to become another part of an already kind of messy backfield. So, Alex, what are your takes on that? And, you know, the Cardinals, they're 3-4-1. and one, And they're in a very, very tough division. It's not looking like it's a playoff year for them. You know, I think if I'm the Cardinals, I'm not playing David Johnson until he's 100% healthy and ready to go. I'm not risking the health of a running back that I've already paid and is traditionally one of the best running backs in the NFL.
0: Yeah, I think uh, you kind of hit it on the head there. My first thought when I saw this trade to the Cardinals was David Johnson or Chase Edmonds is hurt far more than we think. And at this point, it wouldn't be a total surprise to see one or the other go on IR. Um, and my second thought was, I think they really just needed a guy to fill out their roster. I mean, when you look at what's happened to this backfield, their their third string running back, DJ Foster, is already on IR. And you have David Johnson, who's a little banged up. So they bring in Zach Zinner and Alfred Morris just right off the street. Zach Zinner actually had just played for New Orleans the week prior. And I think once Edmonds went down, they're saying, we're literally going to be playing Zach Zinner and Alfred Morris, who were sitting on their couches uh, I guess Zinner wasn't a week ago, but Morris was. And these guys are literally just journeymen in the NFL. They're like, we're stuck with these guys, or we can go bring in a guy to plug that gap until Johnson or Edmonds can get back. So I think them bringing in Drake was literally just to get a healthy body in there. Um, it's an interesting move because I, I think of his playing style as being fairly similar to the DJ and Edmonds mold. Um, yeah, he's he, a smaller he definitely guy. Yeah, he that mold. He's a smaller guy. He catches passes. He's very elusive, but he's never really – had that bell cow role last year in Miami, he was actually very effective, um, but never got a ton of touches and never really got that that bell cow role. So, I think for the short term, Kenny and Drake is fine. Um, I think he's an RB two. I would just temper expectations with him. I think he's fine to start. Uh, obviously, has a really tough matchup this week against San Francisco, and then next week he gets Tampa Bay, and then the following he's at San Francisco. Um, and by then it's their it's their bye in week twelve, and after that you'd think that DJ or Edmonds would be back. And once they come back, one or the other, I just think Drake is is more of a handcuff. Um, I think he might be a flex flyer, uh, depending on how he performs with DJ and Edmonds out. Um, but at this point, you know, I'm, I'm trying to stay away from that backfield as much as I can. And if I have DJ, I just hope he's back soon. And I think once DJ comes back, uh, he will return to that to that lion's share role um, in Arizona.
1: Well, let's just hope neither of them end up on IR. And now I want to move over to the Green Bay backfield between Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. Now, both of these guys kind of eat into each other's touches, but they're both fairly effective in different ways, especially Jamal Williams as of late, kind of moving from a low-end kind of flex running back. Uh, now might be a guy you might consider you know, plugging in there if you're, you're struggling with some bi-week woes uh, or just need a plug-and-play guy. You're know, Looking at Aaron Jones, I mean, he's the number three running back fantasy points-wise on the season four yards per attempt to jamal williams 4.4 you know these guys are very similar stat wise Uh, but aaron jones obviously has a lot more in terms of stats because he has played every game whereas jamal williams hasn't uh and aaron jones is getting a lot of the passing work as well he has 34 uh, receptions 42 targets for 355 receiving yards and three touchdowns in the passing game as well so you know there's Definitely some work for both of them in both the ground game and the air attack. Uh, Now looking at fantasy points per game, Aaron Jones is at 18.3 and Jamal Williams is at 9.2. So, you know, obviously the better of the two uh, fantasy wise so far has been Aaron Jones, but how do you treat this uh, in terms of of fantasy?
0: Yeah, I think if you have Aaron Jones, you're obviously starting him every week. Um, He's clearly the number one back there in green Bay. And he's been very effective for you this year. If you have Aaron Jones, you're, you're very excited. Um, I do think that both Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams will see some touchdown regression in upcoming weeks. I think they've really overperformed in the touchdown column um, with just Devontae Adams being out, all sorts of the other weapons being banged up, with MVS being banged up, and Geronimo Allison being banged up. Um, I think they've really had to rely on that run game and rely on Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. So I expect those touchdown numbers to come down. Aaron Jones has had a four-touchdown game this year. He's had a a couple two-touchdown games. Um, And then Jamal Williams has five total touchdowns on the year as as kind of that second fiddle. So I think think those touchdown numbers are going to come down, and you're not going to be quite as pleased. Um, But I still think Aaron Jones is a serviceable RB1. Um, And I think Jamal Williams is no more than a flex play at this point. I think the usage in the passing game uh, will come down as Devontae Adams comes back and starts eating into those targets. Um, But right now, with both Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, I think you're pretty happy. And I think it actually might be an opportunity to sell high, depending on what we hear from Devontae Adams um, and his availability in the coming weeks on both of those guys.
1: The LA Chargers are 1-3 since Melvin Gordon has returned from holding out. But the story of the year really has been Austin Eckler. You know, fantasy points on the season. He's sitting at number four in terms of running backs. He's been absolutely dominating. And I have him in two of my two leagues. So he's been a great guy to to really plug and play. It was part of the reason I got more wins earlier than the season than I did later, certainly. But, you know, even if looking at these guys' stats, I mean, Austin Eckler is pretty much leading in every category, surprisingly even in yards per attempt. Melvin Gordon, since his return, He's only averaging two and a half yards per attempt, and Austin Eckler's at three and a half. So neither guy, these guys, are where you 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 know uh, would love to see on the ground. Um, and we kind of think as Melvin Gordon being that you know close to five yards per attempt type of guy, he's your more uh, goal line style back, a little bit more of a bruiser uh, who can catch the ball as well. Whereas we think of Eckler as more of that you know scat back, uh, but he's actually been dominating in both the air. and, and ground game, uh, at least compared to Melvin Gordon. Now, I, th- for, I do think this is a bit of a slow start for Melvin Gordon. He just needs to get the wheels turning a little bit and get some of that rust off. That's part of the downside from, from holding out is, you know, you aren't in training camp. You aren't in those preseason games and uh, getting a lot of that rust off from the offseason. Um, you know, do you think that's the case here, Alex? And, and, you know, in terms of if you're the Chargers GM right now, What's kind of your mindset around this backfield and these two guys?
0: Yeah, it's an interesting situation. Um, And if I'm the Chargers GM, I'm still waiting and seeing and waiting for Melvin Gordon to prove that he's worth that deal that he wants. And, And Melvin Gordon, to me, is actually a buy low candidate. I think he has really underperformed expectations since he has come back, which has kind of masked the fact that he's still, I mean, he's still put up. I mean, seven points you're not too happy with, seven points you're not too happy with the first two weeks. Um, But then his third week, he put up nine fantasy points, and that was with a fumble on the goal line at the end of the game. So you think about if that one play would have gone uh, to a touchdown, which they actually called back the play before, you're looking at 17 points. And then last week, he had a touchdown and scored 11 points. So he's starting to kind of... Get into these numbers to that RB2 range. And I think he's really picking up some steam here. And with the Chargers firing their offensive coordinator, Ken Wisenhunt, this past week, I think that might be the signal that's saying, hey, we're about to get Melvin Gordon going and we're about to switch some things up and make sure we get him the ball effectively. Um, So I think Melvin Gordon's a good by-low candidate. I expect him to be an RB1 from now on through the rest of the year. Uh, And then with Austin Eckler, I think he's still going to be fine. Um... As a PPR, RB2, or a flex option, uh, just because when we saw Melvin Gordon come back, here's the four weeks that Eckler's put up in PPR since Melvin Gordon came back. He had 22 on 15 catches. It literally looks like a glitch (laughs) on my app. 15 catches. Um, So 22 points. Then he had five points. You're not too happy with that. But then he had 25 points and 10 points. And almost all of these fantasy points came through the air. So even if the new offensive coordinator gets Melvin Gordon going through the air a little bit and gets his snap count up and gets his touches up, I think Eckler still has value as an RB two.
1: And the next backfield I wanted to talk about is the Kansas City Chiefs, but I don't really think there's much analysis to be done here. I, I think you just try to stay away from all of them, and you know hopefully one of well not hopefully I should say but in and you know fantasy wise if one of them gets hurt. And that's the time to go in, uh, just because there's so much opportunity and, and volume in the Kansas City backfield. Um, I don't know. I, I'm not plugging in anyone except for maybe Lashawn McCoy. And even with that, I don't feel too too confident. Uh, but then again, when Mahomes comes back, there could be more goal line work uh, for all the guys.
0: Yeah, don't start them if they're on your bench. Don't drop them. Um, unfortunately, I think they're a hold right now until we see more. We see um, someone get banged up.
1: Now Jordan Howard versus Miles Sanders. You know, we've seen Miles Sanders kind of turn into this more of a pure receiving option as of late, uh, where Howard does kind of fit that more bruiser mold, kind of like what we're talking about in the Gordon-Eckler type of, of situation, uh, but see, Miles Sanders blowing up a little bit over the last couple weeks. Looking at his last couple games here, uh, you know, he, he's broken off some big plays as of late, Miles Sanders has, uh, but it looks like the more valuable role is really going to be Jordan Howard, especially with that goal line work we'll see if the Miles Sanders passing game work continues to kind of rise up as he's had a couple you know, big chunk plays the last week or two.
0: Yeah, if I have Miles Sanders right now, um, I'm obviously pleased with him this past week if I started him. he, His last three games, he's been really effective. He's put up 18 fantasy points in PPR, 7.7, and then 24. Um, but he's only had Six touches, nine touches, six touches. So he's been very effective with his with his touches that he's gotten. But that workload would, would give me a lot of concern if I was a Miles Sanders owner. Uh, and I think rest of the season, I'd go with Jordan Howard. Like you said, he's got that goal line work. Uh, He's locked in for 12 to 15 carries a game, and he might even get you a catch or two. Uh, And to me, I just just trust that Jordan Howard role a little bit more right now. If I have Miles Sanders, I'm just holding on a little bit longer to see if maybe his, his touches increase as he moves on here in his rookie season.
1: Now, playing through eight weeks in the fantasy football 2019 season, I think at this point you know, we're halfway through. I think there's a few obvious buy low players right now. You know, we just mentioned Melvin Gordon. He's certainly one of those. Uh, I agree with everything Alex said earlier. I think that would, could be a great pickup, um, especially with the change of OC. I am a little bit hesitant. There's no guarantee that Gordon does become a monster. So I wouldn't uh, give up a ton for him, but he's certainly, certainly a by low candidate right now, especially if he returns to the Melvin Gordon of old, but you know, a guy I'm really I'm trying to get in all the leagues I'm in right now is Le'Veon Bell, and I don't want to beat a dead horse here. Just all I want to make clear is that the Jets have a really really easy rest of the season schedule, uh, and, I, and I think yeah you know, we've seen flashes from the Jets. Yes, it's been ugly for the most part, but if we throw out those Luke Falk games, there has been some volume there. We also throw out the Patriots game. <laughs> um, you know, which obviously is a big chunk of that. But I think Lev Bell is still a buy-low guy right now. He plays some pretty soft dep- defenses coming up. He plays the Dolphins twice. Uh, so certainly a guy I think everybody should be trying to buy low. I think you know all the fantasy outlets have been preaching to try to buy low on Lev Bell. I think this is probably going to be one of the last weeks you can do so because he gets the Miami Dolphins in Week 9.
0: Yeah, Le'Veon Bell is actually at the top of my list for a buy-low candidate. We alluded to it a little bit earlier when we were talking about the trade deadline. But that schedule he has coming up is just absolutely juicy. With Miami twice, uh, the Giants, Washington, Oakland, Cincinnati. I expect him to go on a tear here. Um, so so Le'Veon Bell is definitely a guy that, that I would give up. I would give up some some pretty strong running backs um, for Le'Veon Bell. I'd give up a guy like Phillip Lindsey, who's, who's the RB11 so far. I'd give up Mark Ingram. Um, who's obviously scored a lot of touchdowns. Those are kind of the guys in the tier that I'd be willing to give up for a workhorse like Le'Veon. So, so kind of moving forward to my, my first buy low candidate and that's, that's Odell Beckham Jr. And name value might make it hard to buy low on Odell Beckham Jr. Um, But when you look at the way he's performed this year, he just has not lived up to those wide receiver one top five wide receiver type of expectations. Um, you know his last four games he scored four, four point 4.8, 16.1, and ten point two. That's more like flex numbers than what you're looking for out of your stud wide receiver one. Um, so if I if I need if I need receivers, I'm going for Odell Beckham. Uh, when I look at weeks twelve through sixteen, which is right into that cusp of into the regular season and into the the fantasy playoffs, he's got the Dolphins, the Steelers, who aren't bad on defense, but he's got the Bengals after that. And then the Arizona Cardinals putrid defense. Um, So that four week stretch weeks 12 through 16, I expect Odell to tear it up. And I honestly expect the Browns to, to get it together by then and start winning some football games. So Odell Beckham um, is a receiver. I'd love to buy low.
1: I think that's a great, a great point. And you see the Browns are fired up that the hype hasn't died. We saw Baker in classic Baker fashion, stormed out of a uh, media outlet meeting today. Uh, <laughs> had some uh, harsh words for one of the reporters. Uh, but, you know, we're seeing that they really haven't changed that much. Yes, they're under duress. Yes, they're, nobody's happy that they're not doing extremely well. They're sitting at, what, a 2-5 and five record doesn't make you feel great, but at the same time, you can tell they still have that fight, you still have that fire. I just hope in terms of the coaching staff and the play calling, that isn't affected. I, I think the most, uh, you know, in terms of who's on the hot seat, I think Freddie Kitchens has to be the guy that's the most there compared to, you know, think the Baker uh, or Odell. Now, in terms of some other by-low guys, uh, one that I had is Robert Woods. Now, I could see this going either way. He's definitely a risky guy to pick up right now because he just hasn't looked great in his last couple games. He is getting a nice chunk of targets, uh, but in terms of those fantasy points, it's not all there. You know, Looking at his last couple games here, 6.2, 7.6, 9.8, uh, mixed in with some 13s and a 30-point game. Uh, but you've only had one of those real big blow-up games where you know, in years past they'll have a couple more of those uh, and a higher floor. Uh, so Alex, what do you think you do with Robert Woods right now? I'm, I'm kind of in the mindset that uh, everything will kind of regress to how it was in previous seasons and that he'll kind of slide back up a little bit, um, but I could also see it going the other way.
0: Yeah, Robert Woods is actually a guy I had on my, my buy low list and scratched him off because as I dug in um, to Robert Woods, I just did not see the value that he's had in prior seasons. His target numbers were looking really strong through the first four or five weeks of the season, but last three games, um, against San Francisco, he had zero catches. Against Atlanta, he had 13.6 PPR points, which is a very respectable game, but that's against Atlanta's defense that ranks last in the NFL against receivers. And then last week, against Cincinnati, he had two catches for 36 yards on four targets. So I know Cooper Cup had a big game against Cincinnati. The Atlanta game was decent. Um, And San Francisco's obviously had an incredible defense this year. But he's on by this coming week. And then he's at Pittsburgh, home to Chicago, home to Baltimore. And he's got at San Francisco in week 16, which is the fantasy football championship. So Robert Woods is a guy that if I have him, I might try to actually sell him just to hope that people want that value that he was last year. Um, but if I don't have them, I think I'm fine just staying away for now. And, and one caveat to that, I think it's definitely worth seeing what is um, the prognosis on the Brandon Cooks concussion. I know Brandon Cooks has had concussion issues in the past, and if he's forced um, to miss any amount of time, I think that Robert Woods could definitely see an uptick in targets. Um, but outside of that, I'm probably staying away.
1: Now, in terms of guys that you can sell high right now, yeah, I think we named a few of them in, in Jamal Williams. I'll add two more names into the mix. Joe Mixon, I think if you're going to get anything from him, now is the time. He just had his highest scoring game at 16 points. It's been pretty, you know, about, you know, 8 to 10 points per game, uh, if not lower than that across the rest of the season. I think if you're going to get anything for Joe Mixon, uh, and yes, you are trading off of name, but he was a guy who was very hyped up preseason, taken fairly high in drafts. If there's anybody out there, if there's a Bengals homer that you could sell him to, definitely think you should. And then, uh, you know, same thing for DK Metcalf. Uh, DK Metcalf was also a guy that was kind of hyped up before the season started. It's uh, just one of those rookies that might explode onto the scene. And he has, uh, but there hasn't been a ton of volume for him. You know, The most reception he's had in a game is four. Uh, but it's always fairly um, you know, effective work that he's getting. And he just came off of a two-touchdown game. I think you try to sell high on DK Metcalf knowing that he's not going to get a ton of volume. Yes, he still may be effective with it, but I don't feel great leaving my flex or my wide receiver two spot in that much jeopardy.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great call. If you can get a guy that is going to be a plug and play wide receiver to reflect for DK Metcalf. Uh, I think you should definitely do it. He's a guy who's kind of boomer bust. And, and if you're looking for a bi-week fill-in, he's, he's not a problem. But if you can capitalize on the recent production he's put up, I think you do it.
1: Let's move away from, you know, the more uh, fantasy focused talks and just talk real football. You know, so what are you thinking in terms of the San Francisco 49ers right now. Are they the real deal? They're one of only two undefeated teams with the Patriots. Is this sustainable for them? I'm kind of the mindset that they really haven't played anybody.
0: Yeah, I think the 49ers are interesting and they certainly have been very dominant um, in the games that they've played. And there there is a, a debate to be made about a week schedule. And I'm sure when we talk about the Patriots here in a minute, we'll, we'll talk about this as well, but. I mean, the 49ers are doing everything they're supposed to be doing against a week schedule. They're seven and zero. Nick Bosa has emerged as the leader for Defensive Rookie of the Year. A lot of people forget they picked up D Ford from the Chiefs, who's a star pass rusher on that D line, who's um, playing very well. He's got four and a half sacks this year. They have DeForest Buckner on their D line. It's just an absolutely incredible, incredible front seven for this team. Um, They just picked up Emmanuel Sanders in a trade with with uh, Jimmy G, maybe needing to throw the ball more in the back half. Uh, Jimmy G hasn't played necessarily great this year, but he hasn't really needed to. So Emmanuel Sanders certainly doesn't hurt. And now Tevin Coleman is healthy. and You see what that running game is doing. Um, So with their control the clock methodology on their offense and that stud defense that they've built. I think this is a team that's definitely not a pretender and they're definitely a, a contender. Um, but then just looking at their schedule, more talk about schedules, um, to end the season, I, I get really worried and I I think we're going to see, um, what they're made of because they obviously play the Cardinals this week, tomorrow on Thursday night. Um, and after that they have Seattle, they play the Cardinals again, they have Green Bay at Baltimore at new Orleans home against the Falcons, then they have the Rams, and then they're at Seattle, and that is an absolute gauntlet of a schedule to close out the season. Uh, So I think by playoff time, we're really going to have a feel for this team, Um, but so far, so good. I've been very impressed.
1: Yeah, I think the real test for them to see, you know, can they hold with those division leaders uh, are certainly going to be the Seahawks uh, after this week, as well as the Packers a little bit later on. I can't wait for that Packers-Niners game.
0: Absolutely. It's going to be really exciting. Um, So so changing gears to the the other undefeated team uh, in the NFL, it's the New England Patriots. And it feels like we've been here before because we have. So Steph, do you think the Patriots are the real deal or have they been blessed by their schedule to start the year?
1: I think they are the real deal and they have been blessed by their schedule. You know, we're never gonna say that uh, the you know in the Brady Belichick era that they're not a contender. Even if they were, you know, 500 right now, I'd probably still say they have a very, very good chance uh, of making it at least into the playoffs, if not, you know, making a deep run in the playoffs. Uh, yeah, I think a real test for them will actually be coming up here in Week Nine. You know, they play the Ravens at Baltimore on Sunday Night Football. I think that's gonna be a heck of a game. It's also gonna be a heck of a test for uh their defense uh you know and and for the Ravens side of the ball we're gonna learn a lot about the Ravens as well That's probably my number one game I'm most excited for uh this weekend uh but I I do think the Patriots are legit Stephon Gilmore man he's absolutely dominating what more can you say about him and you know yes they have had an easy schedule you know they they beat the Dolphins 43 to 0 in week two um, and they really haven't played against a single team with a winning record, except for the Bills. And that was a game where they really weren't able to do much offensively. Yes, the Bills have a great defense. Final score was 16-10. to 10. Uh, So I I do think, you know, the Patriots are not unstoppable, but I do think, you know, they are the real deal. And, you know, when you're when you're undefeated, there is kind of a a level of swagger and and confidence that you're going to bring to games, which can actually make teams play a heck of a lot better. It can really unite them as, hey, we have all this momentum. Everyone's feeling good. It's more enjoyable to come to practice and sit in uh, the meetings. You know, it's I think it's a little bit of both, Um, but of course they're a contender and they might be a Super Bowl champion this year. We'll see.
0: Yeah, Steph, I've got to agree with you there. I think, obviously, their schedule's been weak, but this is the New England Patriots. If this was a different team, there might be cause for concern. Um, But the Patriots are just an absolute um, juggernaut um, in this era of football. And, you know, to see them, it's kind of like what we said with the 49ers. What can you expect? They've done what they're supposed to do, regardless of who they're playing against. Um, So really quickly, I want to do a little guessing game with you. I've got three questions on the New England Patriots, and I want you um, to give me an over or an under. So, the Patriots are 8-0 this season. How many games have their eight opponents combined to win? Is it over or under 16?
1: Uh, Well, knowing that two of those uh, weeks was the Jets... I'm going to say the under. (laughs) This is the
0: under. Their opponents are a combined 15 and 43, (laughs) a 26% win percentage. Unbelievable. So moving on. Great job there. You're one for one. (laughs) Next, I'm going to ask you about the average margin of victory. Is the Patriots' average margin of victory through their first eight games over or under 21 points? That's three touchdowns.
1: I'm going to say... They are winning these games by less than three touchdowns. So I'm going to take the under.
0: Their average margin of victory is 24 points through eight games. Unbelievable. So when we talk about are they doing what they're supposed to do against weak opponents, obviously they are. Um, so third and final question: their next five opponents is their next is their next five opponents win percentage over or under sixty percent?
1: Well, based on how things have gone so far this season, and we know uh, for some whatever reason it is probably blame Goodell for this one. They're just giving the Patriots an easy schedule. So I'm going to say the pattern that we've seen does hold. I know they have some good games coming up. They do play the chiefs here in a little bit. And obviously the Ravens this weekend. Um, But I'm going to say, I'm going to say the under. Thankfully it's the over.
0: Thankfully you were wrong on this one. (laughs) Uh, Their next five games are at Baltimore at the, at the four and four Eagles. They're home against the four and three Cowboys they're at the five and three Texans, and then they're home against the five and three Chiefs, uh, with Mahomes likely to be back. So the combined win percentage of their next five opponents is sixty one percent, and they have some real tests in there. And I think they're going to lose two of those games. I think um, they're going to end up they're eight and zero now. They'll be eleven and two, which obviously they're still going to be in the driver's seat um, for that one seed in the AFC. Uh, but I think th- I think we do see them struggle in a game or two coming up.
1: Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see. Do you have the Patriots in your Super Bowl? Who's in your Super Bowl right now? It's tough not to
0: have the Patriots in the Super Bowl. I felt silly putting anyone else there. I think there's some good contenders in the AFC. Obviously, if Mahomes gets back to um, 100%, I think the Chiefs are in there. I think the Colts look awesome right now. Um, obviously, the Ravens were going to get a little preview this week to see if they might be able to dethrone the Patriots. Um, but it just it just felt wrong not to put the Patriots in there with how dominant they've been. Um, I've got the Patriots and the Saints right now in the Super Bowl, um, but I think there is definitely some some competition there for New England in the AFC. And it's if it's Patriots versus the field in the AFC, I'm probably taking the field. What about you, Steph?
1: Interesting. Yeah, I, I'm I'm right there with you. Patriots have to be in the Super Bowl. Uh, my dark horse is the Colts. I do believe in the Colts. I think they are legit, uh, and I believe in their organization as a whole, their front office, their defense, and Jacoby Brissett. I just love every part of the Colts right now. Uh, I think everybody's kind of rallying behind Indianapolis after the Andrew Luck situation, um, but I'm, I'm definitely on that bandwagon 100%. I So I think... It'll probably be the Patriots, but I hope it's the Colts. Uh, And, you know, if I had to pick a team in the NFC right now, for me, it's between the Packers and the 49ers. I just think the Packers are – they have the best defense I think they've had since Rodgers has been there, at least in a while. Uh, And kind of the formula to winning a Super Bowl – is having a dominant defense. You know, yes, you can be a shootout type team, but eventually that will come to a stop as teams learn, adapt, uh, and you play more difficult defenses with more athletic players and better personnel. Uh, you know, so I don't know. I, I still think uh, I'm going to go with the Packers if I had to pick one. Uh, obviously, the Saints are in there as well, uh, but I'm, I'm saying right now, if I had to pick today and bet money on it, I would say Patriots versus the Packers in the Super Bowl.
0: As a lifelong Colts fan, it is music to my ears that you think they're um, serious contenders. I wanted to make sure it wasn't just bias. Um, but obviously, that would be an awesome Super Bowl. Um, that would be an awesome Super Bowl to have uh, for us here this year. Hopefully, it would be a higher score than 14-3. to 3. Um, So, more on the Colts. The Colts do not have one of these gunslinger quarterbacks. Obviously, Jacoby Brissett has played great this year. Um, but he's not the same as an Andrew Luck. Do you think you need a gunslinger quarterback to compete and to win a Super Bowl?
1: I think it definitely helps, but I think time and time again, really the formula we see for a Super Bowl winning team is a strong defense and a game manager quarterback who can be clutch in those tough moments. You know, so even looking over the last 10 years here, you know, in 2019, Grady went 21 for 35 for 262 passing yards, zero touchdowns, and one interception. You know, he was essentially a game manager. He didn't lose him the game. You know, even though he did throw one pick, they still ended up winning that game. But even, you know, even with that said, let's say that one was a low scoring game. It was the lowest scoring Super Bowl ever. So let's just discount that one. Let's look at some other ones over the last 10 years here. You know, we saw Manning win one in 2016, throwing 13 for 23, 141 yards. Zero touchdowns and one interception. You know, so those aren't crazy, you know, wild gunslinger games. And in a lot of these games as well, the quarterback on the other side of the ball has had similar stats. I uh, think 2014. You know, Russell Wilson only threw for for a little over 200 yards, uh, but did have a very good completion percentage. Let's look at you know Breeze in 2010. He was extremely accurate, going 32 for 39, but he didn't have you know in terms of passing yardage. Wasn't that crazy of a game? So I I really do think the key is a stout defense uh, with just a a game manager QB. Obviously, it never hurts to have a running game, um, but I don't even think that's really the biggest part of what you need. You just need a quarterback that's not going to turn the ball over and can clutch it out. And I think Jacoby Brissett really does fit that mold. It's been amazing to see his progression over the last, you know, really since the season started, you know, even comparing to to 2016 when Andrew Luck, or it might have been 2017, sorry, when Andrew Luck didn't play a single snap all year, you know, we got to see kind of a glimpse of of what J- Jacoby Brissett could do. Um, but I think a lot of people extrapolated that, hey, you know, this guy's been in the league for a couple of years and hasn't gotten any better. We've certainly seen that that is not the case. I, I think Jacoby is playing very, very well.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great point, And I think, That history over the past 10 years has kind of given us the blueprint um, for what it takes to win a Super Bowl. And obviously having a gunslinger quarterback that's going to go out there and throw 400 yards and four touchdowns in the Super Bowl is great. Um, But but recent recent Super Bowls and seasons have showed us you really don't need that to happen. Um. So with Jacoby specifically, I mean, he's obviously had a great season. He's got 14 passing touchdowns to three interceptions. So he's proven that he can make good decisions, manage the game, and be a leader on this team. Um, but one thing that I was worried about as a Colts fan was, can he make a big play when it's needed? And I think this week against Denver, it was obviously an ugly game, but he was in the end zone with a defender on his back, Shook him off, scrambled out, and threw a 30-yard dime to T.Y. Hilton on the sideline. Got us into field goal range to kick that um, game-winning 51-yard field goal from the GOAT himself, Adam Vinatieri. And to me, that was a huge moment for this Colts team to say, hey, we can fight against adversity. We can give Jacoby the ball um, in a two-minute drill when we need three points or we need a touchdown, and he can go get it. Um, So that was really reassuring um, as a Colts fan and for this Colts team to say, hey— our guy can do it. And and a little fact about the Colts this year, every single game they've played, they're 5 and 2. Every game has been a one possession game. So, when you talk about a team learning to win close ball games and learning to close games out and learning how to come back in football games, this Colts team is doing it every single week. Um, So they're in competitive games and Jacoby Brissett is learning how to lead this team through really tough situations. So I think the Colts are going to continue to grow and they've got um, a good schedule coming up here with, um, you know, they've got Miami coming up soon. They've got the Steelers on the schedule. Um, And then, you know, they've obviously got Jacksonville in the division and Houston in the division who both look really solid. Um, So it'll be interesting to see how this Colts team um, develops through the season. But right now they look like the front runners in the AFC South.
1: The Colts figured out really the blueprint uh, to how to beat the Chiefs. It was just gorgeous to watch. It's been one of my favorite games this season was that Colts-Chiefs matchup on Sunday Night Football. I think they're the real deal. Definitely a contender.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So, So Steph, let's fast forward. Um, to this weekend what games are you looking out for what, what's getting you excited um, and what are you looking to see
1: certainly the Patriots at the Ravens is the game everybody's looking forward to this weekend for me this uh, what I view this as is the true test of how legitimate Lamar Jackson is you know, we've we've kind of lived under the these memes uh, saying that he can't throw um, or that he's a running back playing quarterback or a wide receiver playing quarterback. It's just not true. If you, you actually watch the guy play, right away you would tell that anyone who's saying that or, or you know, is reporting that certainly hasn't actually watched the film. Uh, Lamar Jack is, is making incredible throws uh, and is looking like he's going to break uh, all the rushing records in the NFL he's coming in pretty closely uh, on Michael Vick's rushing yards records for a quarterback right now this season so I think that's going to be the true test for him um and then also on the other side of the ball I think it'll be a a decent test for the Patriots uh Hopefully, this doesn't turn into a more defensive-style game, which I could certainly see it being, especially if the Ravens are having trouble moving the ball. Um, We have seen that the Patriots aren't always the most explosive offense. Uh, I hope it doesn't become more of a defensive matchup. I hope it does side a little more like a shootout. Uh, But certainly the game I'm most excited for. The Patriots are only three-point favorites in this game, and the over-under at 44.5 points.
0: It's obviously the one that I think everyone has circled for this weekend. Um, And and I really believe that if Lamar Jackson comes out and is able to beat the new England Patriots, not saying that I necessarily predict that to happen, but if he is able to do that, I think Lamar Jackson, even in a mediocre game um, becomes the front runner for MVP. If he can go into Seattle like he did and beat the Seahawks and then come and beat the Patriots at home with the, the rushing ability that he has his clear improvement as a passer um, and his ability to be the guy on this Ravens team and the leader and lead that team to, to a start that they've had, I think he really, really becomes a contender in the MVP race. Um, so, so for me, one of the games that I think is really interesting this weekend, it's not necessarily the one that I'm circling saying I, it's a must watch, but it's the Lions and the Raiders and these are two teams that most people thought were going to be at the bottom of the barrel this season, but the Lions are sitting here at 3-3 three, three and 1 in the NFC in a tough division, and the Raiders are 3 and 4 in the AFC in a pretty competitive division. So when you look at this game between the Lions and the Raiders, I think this game kind of dictates the trajectory for the rest of their season. Um, if the it's a must win. If the Lions win, uh, they they kind of gain some momentum and some confidence in their ability to get back into the division race and maybe even the wild card. And if the Raiders win, they're right there with the Chiefs coming down the stretch. They would be four and four, and the Chiefs would be um, either six and three or five and four. And the Chiefs have the Vikings this week. So that could easily be a loss, and the Raiders could be one game out of the division lead. So that Lions-Raiders game, I think, is going to be really interesting to see which one of those teams kind of emerges as a contender in their respective conference.
1: Now the next pick for me has to be a homer pick. As the resident and unfortunate Cleveland Browns fan, oh boy! I'm actually looking forward to the Browns playing uh, at mile high. You know, Joe Flacco, God bless him. He is uh, no longer going to be playing for the Broncos. He may not ever play again. Yeah, it looks like, Alex, do you know who's going to be under center for the Broncos? Oh
0: goodness, his name escapes me. That's
1: how bad it's gotten. That is how bad it
0: has gotten for the Denver Broncos. I know that with Joe Flacco out, if you're looking for a streamer in fantasy football, I think the Browns defense is going to be at the top (laughs) of the list. It's 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 Brandon Allen. Brandon Allen out of Arkansas will be the starting quarterback for the Denver Broncos this week.
1: Well, look, the Browns are three point favorites on the road. It's a thirty nine and a half point over under. And I think this is just a get right game for my brownies. You know, everyone's fired up. We got Baker leaving the interview today. I just think there's there's just too much fire and passion, and too much talent on that team, regardless of the play calling, regardless of the O line, regardless of Baker's uh, high number of interceptions thrown this season. I just think the Browns have too much fire. They're not going to give up, and the rest of their their schedule is actually pretty nice. Um, don't have a ton of too difficult matchups. They do play uh, the Bengals twice, so I think this is a get right game for the Browns. Hopefully they're in. You know I. My best case scenario for them is that they're fighting for that wild card spot. I don't even know, necessarily think that they're gonna get it, <laughs> even if things do turn around. Uh, but I'm actually pretty hyped for this game, um, just to see my Browns kind of get right and you know, let the Cleveland Browns hype train get a little bit more steam because it's kind of been dying down lately.
0: And I don't want to give I don't want to give you too much hype for the Browns, but they're at Denver this weekend, a game that they obviously should win. They're home against Buffalo next week in a game that obviously Buffalo has been impressive, but they have also had a very light schedule like the Patriots. So if they can win at home against Buffalo, they're home against Pittsburgh, home against Miami, at Pittsburgh, home against the Bengals, at the Cardinals, home against the Ravens, and at the Bengals. So you look at their last nine games, and the only game that really scares you is the Ravens and maybe the Bills. So they have a chance to maybe make a run here at the end of the season, and this might be that game they need to get back on track and work on some things they need to work
1: on. Yeah, you know, and you mentioned the Ravens there. They've already beaten the Ravens on the road before. They actually beat the brakes off them. I knew you were actually at that game. Final score on that was 40 to 25. So, you know, it's kind of like, hey, what's the most difficult in-division matchup that they're going to have? It's probably going to be Ravens at Baltimore, and they've already won that game. I think that should give them some confidence, uh, at least for, you know, the AFC North. Absolutely,
0: absolutely. And we'll see if they can get it going um, this week against Denver. My last game to look forward to is the Chiefs and the Vikings. The Chiefs are sitting at five and three, the the Vikings are sitting at six and two, and I think this is going to be a really interesting game. And I think it's one that the Chiefs kind of need, and it's one that I don't know if they can get. Um, You know, Patrick Mahomes has been rumored to be back as early as this week. He'll be practicing, but it's unlikely he plays. Um, He the original, the original diagnosis was three weeks, so he might miss next week as well. And like we talked about earlier, the Raiders are right on their heels in that division. Um, so I think this Chiefs-Vikings game is going to be one that's really, really, really exciting. Matt Moore has proven that he's a capable fill-in for Patrick Mahomes. Um, Andy Reid obviously has a very creative mind uh, to utilize him and those other weapons like Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey and those running backs as well as he can. And then I think the Vikings are really coming on now that they've decided to throw the ball. You know, the first couple games, obviously, they went run heavy, and now they're proving that they can do both. They can do a very, very, very even run-pass split and still be effective. Kirk Cousins is on one of the best tears of his career over the past four or five games, throwing the ball. So I think against this Chiefs defense, Kirk Cousins is going to have yet another really strong game. Um, So it's just going to be interesting to see who wins this one. The Vikings are obviously in that division race with the Packers. um, And I think both both teams really, really
1: want this win. The last game I'll add to look forward to is the one in London. So Sunday morning, when you're getting your coffee, getting your day started, go ahead and flip on that, that Texans at Jaguars game in London. Texans are two and a half point favorites, technically on the road, even though both teams are on the road here. It's a 47 point over under, so Vegas has this a uh, you know fairly decent scoring game, uh, and you know just like in that Lions versus Raiders matchup, the Texans and Jags are both fighting in that in the AFC South as well. So I, I think that could be another interesting one to watch. I don't think it'll be as much of a of a shootout as we think. Plus those London games can just be kind of weird uh, for everybody, both the players and the spectators. Uh, but I think that could be an interesting one to watch as well. And to add to that,
0: nothing better than waking up and flipping on your TV and having a game on. So shout out to those London games.
1: Yeah, that's I, you really can't complain too much. I know everybody complains about them, but I'm not too mad. I'm I'm more of an early riser, uh, so I'm not too mad if I'm you know first thing in the morning. Go ahead and put you some know, football. You know, I feel I, I feel for the West
0: Coast. I mean, six thirty might be a little early, but if you're a true football fan, that's nothing. So. Um, if you're on the west coast get up get yourself a cup of coffee and enjoy a good game
1: well Alex I think that wraps up most of our first episode here for air raid sports anything you have left to say before we sign off one last quick hitter for today's
0: show who wins NFL MVP in 2019
1: you put me on the spot here this is a really tough one
0: This was not in our preparation. This one is literally just on
1: the fly, who you got, who's your front runner. Well, look, I think my mind is too clouded by what I want to happen. But being objective here, uh, I got to say, I don't know. This is actually really tough. I mean, uh, (laughs) I thought I was going to have it figured out by now, but I don't. I think I got to go with the favorite Aaron Rodgers um you know he's he's just been blowing up these last couple weeks and i think they're about to turn the corner uh when Devonte adams comes back i think he's going to even step up even another step uh and maybe they might get hot uh, i i really like the packers this year if you can't tell the seven and one packers i they're my super bowl uh pick from the nfc and i think rogers can can lead that whole way there
0: well there you have it aaron Rodgers, steph's pick for MVP here in week eight, heading into week nine. My pick for MVP is, I mean, you said it. It's My mind's clouded with what I want to happen, but it's Lamar Jackson. that That's the I homer think, pick. That was my homer pick. It's, I had to fight it. It's the, hom- <laughs> it's the homer pick, but I, I mean, look. This time next week, we'll know whether that's going to happen or not. If he comes out and he performs against New England, I think he's in that conversation um, with Aaron Rodgers and with Deshaun Watson and with Russell Wilson. If he comes out and looks flat against New England, then it's not his year and he still can just lead this Ravens team to the playoffs um, and have an incredible breakout season. But right now, I think I think really this week is going to tell us what we need to know about Lamar Jackson. I'm really excited to see how he performs against the top defense in the NFL. Um so there you have it, Lamar Jackson. Let's let's see what he can do.
1: Love it. That that's really my pick too. I, I'm gonna go ahead and change mine. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, well, thank you everybody for listening. Air Raid Sports first episode. Signing off. Thank you all for listening, and we'll catch you on the next one.